Welcome to Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth, a show about markets, investing, and financial planning. Join us as we cover current events that are in the news and answer top of mind questions from our listeners. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. This audio may contain statements that may be deemed as forward-looking. Any such statements are not guarantees of future performance and actual results may differ from those projected. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, tax, or other professional services. Welcome everyone to episode 34 of Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth. Chris and Howe are back to give you an update. And on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about Series I bonds, the ever popular purchase of about a year ago, and what's going on right now with interest rates, and specifically, should you cash them in? And the second topic is bonds versus money market versus high yield savings accounts. We're getting so many questions now around, I'm earning nothing in my Bank of America account. Should I go to a high yield account? Should I buy a CD? Uh, should I go to a money market? And um, we think there's a very important uh, sort of market, I don't know, phenomenon, not really a phenomenon. Everybody's chasing short-term yields, and uh, we think it makes sense to, to grab some longer-term yields. So we thought we would unpack that, give you some data with it as well. Uh, I guess we felt like we were a broken record talking about inflation and, and what the Fed was going to do this whole, you know, for the last like six months or maybe maybe a year, maybe more. Uh, so we thought we'd talk about bonds instead, <laughs> right? Fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about bonds. Today is October 5th, 9.14 in the morning Pacific time, coming to you live and in color. Well, by the time you get this, it will maybe not be live and maybe not be in color, depending on if you're listening on the pod or YouTube. But uh, okay, enough for bad jokes and bad commentary. Let's get started. How? I've got a really important question for you. I've been thinking about this lately. And I wanted to ask you, are you the type of person that locks your cars in your garage? Like, for, well, first of all, do you park your car in your garage? Yes. Okay. Does, is it unlocked or is it locked? So, so like your closed garage, you're going to lock your doors. Closed garage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the, the cars have. So we, we we have two family cars essentially. One one car is newer; it's just going to automatically lock itself if you walk mm-hmm. away from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but prior to that, so that's we, a yes. Yeah, yeah, for one okay. car. But uh, prior to that, we had we have a car that that is like one of those remote. I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, present start. You just push the button and it starts. Uh, we just leave the 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 key in the car. Even better. Because <laughs> one, we're a family that just leaves stuff around. So we won't find, we don't want to scramble around for keys. For one, sometimes that car has two keys, my, mine and my wife's. Sometimes the car will have both sets of keys in the car. And then I'll go to the grocery store, <laughs> take my set out with me, obviously, and realize my wife's set is still in the car, unlocked the whole time at a grocery store. So. Um, and again, we don't, I don't say, I'm not going to say we don't live in dangerous part of town. We don't live in, um, Pleasantville either. So it's not recommended to leave your car unlocked in a grocery store, but in a garage. Yeah. Leave, leave that sucker unlocked, leave the keys in. I, I guess I don't have, <laughs> have thought about it too much. If I did, I probably would have locked. Maybe. I don't know why I would. 
Okay, so on key. So I'm a very, I'm the type of person that everything has a place. The keys go here, the socks go there, right? Like everything has a place. And yeah. so when I come home, the key comes out of the pocket and it goes to the same place every single time. My wife doesn't do that. Uh, and so oh, the key can be- Oh, this is a podcast for your wife. I better Yeah, okay. yeah, I guess we just pivoted because you just, you, just, you just triggered <laughs> another thing. Uh, and the key could be all over the place. And it's like, babe, where's the key? And you know, it's, it's in this bag or whatever. And so, uh, so I appreciate that the key's always in the same place in your household. That's something that, um, is very important to me, but, uh, I lock my cars in the garage and I don't leave the key in them. And, uh, I don't know, maybe that's weird, but I feel like I'd like to hear what our listeners do. I've always locked my cars in the garage and, uh, what's my thought process, I guess. Well, I definitely don't leave the key in it because, I mean, somebody could just take it. Probably low yeah. probability, though. Yeah, yeah sometimes, I don't know. It's just what I do. Sometimes we're absent-minded. Uh, we actually left the, the garage door open on two occasions overnight. See, that uh, could happen. Yeah, and the yeah. keys are in the car. Yeah, yeah, and the keys are in the car. Uh, the, the neighbor actually came by like 10, 10 o'clock, and we're, we're in bed by 8.30 max. And so he knocked on the door. We're like, who the hell is this? So we didn't answer it. I looked at the ring. I saw this was my neighbor. Um, a minute later, our garage door closes. It was, so they pushed we, the button. For he you. pushed the button and walked away. And yeah, he didn't catch us until three or four days later. He's like, "Hey, you left your garage door open. I closed it for you." It's like, "Yeah, I saw you on video. I we were too scared to open the door at ten at night." So, so thanks to our neighbor. Uh, yeah, neighbors on all sides of us are pretty cool, and, and they do those types of things for us. Too scared we, to open the door yeah. at ten o'clock, but you'll leave the keys in the car and basically just leave it running. <laughs> right? yeah. Take it, take it if you want. Well, well the cars are just material, right? So, yeah, I get, get that. I yeah. get that. All right. Uh, thanks for that. I'd like to know what our listeners do. Do you lock your car in your garage? Do you not? Let us know. Um, you don't need to. I mean, I think you need to. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, moving on. Series I bonds. Everybody knows these things. They hit the news about a year ago when they hit a whopping 7.12%. We posted an article on our website, on our blog, November 22nd, 2021. Yeah, we were Sorry. on pretty early. Two years ago, not yeah. one year ago, and how time flies. Uh, and they hit a, a rate of 7.12%. They proceeded to fall. Excuse me, they went up and then they fell. So the, the next... Uh, these adjust every six months, so they went up to 9.62, and then 6.89, and now the current rate, up until this month, a new rate will be announced here soon, is 4.3. Um, let me just go over a quick summary of how these work for everybody, and then let's get into what should people do. So quick summary of I-bonds. They have a $10,000 annual cap, so every calendar year, you can put in $10,000. That means your spouse can, uh, you know, any taxpayer can. You also can buy an additional $5,000 with a tax refund. So $15,000 a year would be the actual cap. Uh, most people just bought in cash, I think, for the, for the, for the 10K. Interest is calculated on a monthly basis and paid semi-annually. Uh, the interest is not paid to you in cash. It's actually just added to the principal of the bond. So it is actually compounded semi-annually. You have to hold the bond for a minimum of 12 months. Uh, and after that, if you decide to cash it in before five years, you lose the last three months worth of interest. After you held for five years or more, there is no 
penalty. Interest is taxable at the federal level, but it is state and local tax free, just like all government bonds. And uh, the interest rate is set twice a year, May and November. The rate is quoted as an annualized rate. So this latest rate of 4.3%, that is actually an annualized rate, meaning you're going to earn 2.15 for the next six months, and then it'll be adjusted once again. How, why don't you jump in here? What's been the history of these rates? I know I talked a little bit earlier, but just how is the rate calculated? What's been the history of the rates? And what do we think people should do now if they bought these things? Yeah, uh, so how the rates are calculated is tied to inflation. So if we have high inflation like we did in late 2021 and all of 2022, right? They're going to offer um, a baseline yield plus any tagged inflation point where if inflation's high, these these yields are going to return higher, right? Or just as high. So they peaked in May 2022, and they started coming down, right? And I think if you're tracking our uh, blog, uh, we had the initial I-bond recommend, not a recommendation, but just information on in November 2021. And in May 2022, we had update to <clears throat> the article was called update to the I, I bonds or I bonds revisited. Mm-hmm. And then November, 2022 is, um, uniquely called the update to the update to the <laughs> I series bond. Uh, and we, we've in both the May and the, the subsequent November, um, post saying, Hey, watch out. F- I know we've been touting these, but watch out for the resets. Mm-hmm. And we were seeing inflation come down in August of last year, well, peak August of last year, and then which prompted us to write in November because we saw August, September, October, and November interest rate uh, inflation rate go down. Mm-hmm. So obviously that was a start of a trend. And we were saying, uh, you know, don't don't assume that inflation is going to be around forever, right? And as a result, of the yield on these bonds is going to go down with inflation. So I'm just looking at the history here. I think if you bought one of these right when the rate spiked, so November of 2020 to April of 2021, the rate was 1.68. Six months prior to that, 1.06. Then it started to jump. So May of 2021 through October of 21, three and a half, 3.54. Then it really jumped. November of 2021 through April of 2022, 7.12, which is as Tao says when we started writing about this, but this is when it was all over the news. Yep. If you bought in November of 2021, you probably did pretty well. I know we had a lot of conversations around these. Yep. and um, People you know, were you complaining were in... that the 10, 10K limit was too small. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I wish, wish we could buy more, right? Because these, these were... These are so different than 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 tips, and and I want to I want to hear you talk a little bit about tips and what tips are and and, and sort of the timing of the trade because there's yep. some some misconception there. Yep. Um. But let me let me kind of go through these interest rates here. So November of twenty one through April of twenty twenty two seven point one two percent. If you bought then, you did pretty well because you earned seven point one two percent for six months, meaning call it three and a half. Then for the next six months, it went up. So it went up to 9.62 annualized. You made another you know, 4.8 or so. 
then it started going down 6.89. So you made another 3.24. Now it's at 4.3, 1.69. Bottom line is if you held for, you know, call it a year, year and a half, you've probably made almost 8% on this bond with practically zero risk. It's a U.S. government bond. That's yep. good. I think it's the people that jumped in, you know, late, if they jumped in at the 9.62% rate, because it just started going down after that, or, you know, halfway into that 9.62% rate, you didn't do nearly as well, because the first six months of the 7.2, rate were so valuable. Uh, do you have the same kind of input on if you bought early, you did well, but if you bought kind of mid, mid peak, you were late and didn't do very well? Or what, what's your feedback? Yeah, and we definitely don't try to time anything in regards of any kind of investment, but yeah, yeah this totally. was, in hindsight, it didn't last very long. And I, I think that was a problem with that. And I think that segues into our next, you know, word of caution, I guess, is the, the, the fervor for money market or CDs. Can, can you talk about tips really quick before we go there? Cause, cause if I, I, I want to <laughs> say again, if I must, I just think it's important because we yeah. also saw a lot of people buying these, because the the feeling was there's inflation, I should buy tips. Yeah, tips. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, tips are a little different. Um, and what what does that stand for? Uh, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Um, in 2022, these had a lot of appeal. Um, the problem is they didn't do so well when inflation was up because, in terms of tips in their pricing, there's an expectation of inflation already baked into the the bond price. So, so let's say the expectation was built in seven percent inflation. Inflation comes in at six percent, still high. Uh, that tip is going to get sold off, right? Because there was a seven percent inflation expectation built in. Mm -hmm. um, that's a bond. Going back fundamentally, uh, tips bonds are inflation protected. So the inflation moves up and down. The the interest rate that's paid on that adjusts for the inflation. Mm -hmm. And then the principal will reflect the reflection changes too. Mm -hmm. Sounds actually really great on, in theory, in practice, it's very different trading vehicle where you would think in 2022, 2021, 2021 it did, tips did really well actually because inflation surprised us. Mm. 2022, everyone saw inflation coming, did not surprise us, especially towards the end of the year, the surprises were actually to the downside right after peaking in August, yep. we don't get surprises in inflation as much or as severe since that August print. So tips, um, the way the market works is they, they price in expectations. And if expectations aren't met, you're going to not get the full brunt of, of the, the vehicle, meaning tips you would expect to get higher interest rate higher principal as a result mm -hmm. that seems very valuable no, there's no such thing as a free launch here and the market's already priced it in and if you think you're going to cheat the market guess what the market's already ahead of you really really good feedback so and, and i think where we saw this started to happen was people could only buy ten thousand worth of i bonds yeah they started to get interested in this in late 2021 what you're saying is that was too late if you bought tips then too because you could buy more yeah you didn't do very well because inf the the effect of inflation was already priced into those Correct. bonds therefore you lost money because inflation started trending down in the kind of near term right after that is yeah. that accurate 
The best time to buy tips was in 2020. We actually had deflation, so the value of tips was essentially zero, hmm. right? Other than what's and the underlying, expect. right? Because mm-hmm. you, you think about it, these are still bonds and long-term bonds to boot. So you think about a 30-year tip and you're not getting inflation surprises, you're still getting stung by higher interest rates because that if there's no inflation, there's no adjustment. Hmm. But if you're getting higher interest rates, as we all know, higher interest rates hurt the value of bonds. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that component of inflation going up, let alone going up and surprising, you're, you're getting stung by higher interest rates. So that's why tips are very hard to really hold on to. But I, yeah, I think we recommend tips in a, in a low inflation environment because that's easier to surprise on that front. I know it's counterintuitive, but that's investing. I see. Yeah, yeah. I totally see what you mean. And everybody bought late because it was Everyone after the inflation and, yeah. and then <laughs> I think everybody lost money and didn't know why. And that's, that's exactly why. Well, duration. Yeah. It's a, it's a right. component of sensitive to interest rates and interest rates are responsive to inflation. But again, what we've seen this year is we haven't had inflation. Let's be real about that. But we've had higher rates. Yeah. Two things that would hurt tips. Thanks for that. Yeah. All right. Let's move over to money markets, high yield savings accounts and bonds. This is a super important topic and it ties back into series I bonds. But um, why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, the the conversation of I bonds kind of segues into this where um, people will see higher interest rates that they haven't seen in the decades at this, especially for CDs, right? Uh, that, that's so appealing that CDs are now paying five and a half, upwards of 5.7 that me and Chris yeah. just looked at here. Um, that's super appealing, especially with- 10-year highs. Yeah, in the midst of a bit of a market sell-off, which, which we think is seasonal, but still that's appealing to see like a 5% guaranteed or a principal guaranteed rate, right? Because- that's FDIC insured for the most part if you're under 250 and the the, the value, principal value shouldn't move too much. Mm-hmm. So the appeal there is like I-bonds, hey, I'm seeing a higher yield. I want to get in on that because in my mind, I'm seeing it now. I think it's going to last forever. Hmm. We were just looking at this um, this chart that we actually, we put this into our our third, so the update to the update on series I bonds. So we put this chart in, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is really just a, it's a public chart, chart that's right on fidelity.com um, on their fixed income site. And it just shows everything from three month to 30 year bonds of all different types of bonds and credit instruments. So CDs, treasuries, corporate bonds, municipals, et cetera. And uh, I was alarmed to see that a five year and a 10 year CD pays 5.65 and 5.55% respectively. I'm like, how, let me get one of these 10 years at five and a half percent with no risk FDIC insurance. That's pretty good. You told me something interesting right before we hit record. What's going What, what was that fun fact that you shared about that bond? Yeah, totally get the appeal that from a lender, because if you're buying a CD, you're lending a bank money, right? Mm -hmm. And the bank is a borrower in that case. So think about a borrower, especially a bank who has, a team of people doing interest rate forecasts. What are they? They're most likely not going to commit to that full five years. So, um, anything beyond two years, they're going to start plugging in call features. Meaning, we have the right to buy that bond, uh, CD back, 
mm. because rates are so low. Why would we lock ourselves in at a five and a half percent rate for five years? Because every bank has this team, and they <clears throat> they're just following the Fed, and the Fed themselves is forecasting lower rates in twenty twenty four. That's good feedback, and and I should take a step back because what I quoted are brokered CDs, which are a little bit different than yeah, sure. the giant sticker that's on the window of your bank. The giant sticker that's on, yeah, yeah, yeah banks, banks don't call their CDs. Like if you buy that, it's a guaranteed instrument. But brokered CDs, which are also issued by banks, those have other stipulations, and they they work a little bit more by like sure. bonds, right? Do I have that correct? Yeah, but at the same time, you're not going to be going through Chase that has all this influx of money through the mm -hmm. regional bank implosion they're not going to offer CDs that long mm -hmm. outright, let alone with the call feature or not, because they don't need the money. Yeah, they don't need the money. Yeah. Well, and that's the issue with a lot of these. You've got corporate bonds paying seven, almost 8%, yeah. uh, government bonds, you know, at almost five and, and 6%, you know, in these five and 10 year bonds. And, and many of them have call features, meaning if interest rates were to go down, the, the bank is going to call that bond back and buy it back from you at say year two or three. Yep. Um, and then you won't actually get the full five or 10 years of cash flows at that higher rate. You'll in fact be forced to refinance that bond at a lower interest rate. And that's, yeah. that's just by design. That's how, how the institutions protect themselves from a higher rate environment. Yeah. Cause they're borrowers. Why would you overpay longer than you need to? So we're in 10 year plus interest rates. Um, or de decade highs in interest rates you know, across the board. Um, I think something that I, I want to make sure that we spend some time on here is yeah. really don't miss the boat here. And, and, and the point is, if you're buying something like a money market, which money markets are yielding, you know, four and a half, almost five short term bonds, like three month bonds are yielding five, five and a half CDs, as we mentioned, are, are pretty close to all that. Even high yield savings accounts, yeah. which carry FDIC insurance, you know, money markets and, and short term bond funds do not, uh, you know, they're in their mid fours, maybe even five. Yeah. So, but the point of this, and, and, I, and I want, I want how, if you can unpack for our listeners, how do interest rates work on those vehicles? And then why is it important to buy longer dated bonds when interest yeah. rates are higher like they are now? Yeah, thanks. And I think you'll be hard pressed to find a high yield savings rate beyond teaser amount. Like big banks will offer high yield savings on the first $500 or first $1,000. Like, well, it's kind of useless. I just got um, an email from my my credit union. I, I had a car loan at a credit union a bunch of years ago, so I still have like five bucks in the bank account. And I get an email and it says, you know, send us a message and we can get you 7% on the first $500. And then it goes to like three, which is, hey, three is not bad, but 7% on the first $500. I'm not interested. <clears throat> so you... One, that's really designed to expose who really needs capital or not, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. we, we look at our brokered CD list of new issues. It's all regional banks, right? Uh, Citigroup, or Wells Fargo's not on there. Bank of America's not on there. Or um, Jace isn't on there. They don't need the capital. Yeah. Um, so one, that's supply and demand, right? So uh, the market's saying, hey, 5%. Good luck finding consistently 5% from... A reputable big institution right <clears throat> right now unless you're like a super hyper preferred client uh two they are hyper flexible in terms of how much the interest moves up and down because it's sensitive to the overnight rate mm -hmm. meaning if the fed says yeah just kidding we, we were gonna hike rates one more time this year we're not 
Mm-hmm. What's the market going to do, right? It's just immediately going to price down the one-month, two-month, three-month uh, paper. And uh, most sensitive to that is money markets because they have seven-day bonds in there. So they, they constantly have to replenish. So every seven days, you have a pool of bonds that completely matured. Now you just have cash that you have to redeploy. But let's say interest rates move that re- redeployment is so sensitive every seven days it's resetting right mm-hmm. big chunk of the portfolio is resetting about a third every seven days i want to give our listeners a quick example of that so we use a short-term bond fund for many of our retired clients that we hold some cash on the sidelines for them um and uh, 18 months ago or so that was paying about 0.3 percent yep and now it's paying five and a half roughly that's a very quick movement yeah. in that fund over a very short period of time well, quickly to move up, it's going to be quick to move down. Quick to and move down. We're seeing a lot of things that can move it down. Anytime the economy slows significantly enough, and let's say there was a recession, we would see bottom bargain bin rates, right? We're gonna, we're not going to see these extremely high rates. And we're going to probably get the same comments about the I-series bonds. It's like, well, my money market's not giving me the yield I was getting, right? What was me? That's by design, right? Like, if you're not getting 5%, where are you going to put park the money if you don't need it? You're going to go back to the bond market, back to the stock market. That's why now we are saying, hey, look at locking it in via a bond, not a CD, for longer rates, right? Again, there's all kinds of bonds. There's treasuries. There's corporates. There's all kinds of credit you know, levels of it. So I think you do have to give up some short-term yield to at least lock in a longer term term with it because it's going to reset and what you mean by that is the short term you know the yield curve is still inflated meaning short-term yield you know six months 12 months is paying more than two years three years five years yeah which is an inverted yield curve so that is essentially incentivizing and swaying people well heck i'll get the six percent for the next year why would i get only five percent for the next two years um our suggestion and our thought is that if and when the Fed stops raising and starts lowering or holds, that'll start to get priced in. Future rates get priced into the markets yeah. and, and yeah. bond bond uh, yields actually start to fall. Yeah. And by the time that falls, your six-month bond that you need to redeploy, suddenly you don't have a marketplace that is yielding yep. as high. Now you're not and going to five. You're going to four and a half yeah. or something. Right. That's, right. that's called reinvestment risk. And people are living with it with the series I bonds, right? Those juicy 9.68% yields aren't, aren't happening anymore. It's 4.3, which is actually pretty good, but it's nowhere near a CD. (laughs) Great example. Yeah. You're, you're living it with a series I bond because that adjusts on you versus most bonds are fixed. (laughs) Every other bond is fixed, right? Yeah. Okay. I guess unless it's floating rate, but eh, let's leave that out for a moment. The Um, bond universe is wild. Yeah. Yeah. There's some interesting data here and, and, and I'm going to quote a, uh, uh, a couple of slides here from from BlackRock. Um, their point is don't miss the boat with bonds. Everybody's incentivized right now to go buy money markets and short term, you know, super, super safe yielding instruments because they're yielding more than bonds. And, you know, why would I buy bonds? Bonds burned me last year. Um, their point is rates tend to fall fast once the Fed stops hiking. And if we're near the end of that hiking cycle, uh, they've said that they're going to raise maybe one more time, likely one more time. And then we'll see. Um, you know, yes, they keep changing their rhetoric, but um, if they do that and then they hold and, and actually start to, to reduce rates, um, one month after 
the Fed stops hiking, average yields drop by a quarter of a percent. Three months after, it's almost three quarters of a percent, and five months after, it's a full percentage point. Uh, And so their point is, if we look at 12 months after the Fed stops hiking, and this data goes all the way back to January of 1990, so many, many rate hike cycles and and, and declines. Uh, So again, 12 month performance after the Fed stops hiking, money markets have averaged four and a half percent, short term bonds, seven and a half municipal bonds, 8.2 and U.S. core bonds, um, which is like the ag, um, Mm -hmm. which is a blend of of government bonds, corporate bonds and whatnot, 11 and a half percent. And that is significant in, in terms of the difference there. So our suggestion is, is we need to, to not be so swayed by the short-term rates and consider extending, extending our duration out a bit. Yep. Yep. And even in a year where we, most people wrongfully forecasted rates would actually go down this year, they've actually gone, continue to go up. The, the bond market is only down roughly 2%. So the higher mm-hmm. yields are showing quite a bit of resiliency in the bond. So um, if rates don't move here on out, because the, the the Fed hasn't raised rates yet, but the market's already priced in that hike. So if, bond, right. if rates don't move here on out, I would expect the bond market to end the year positive, actually, because what are you getting? You're getting coupon payments. You're getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's there's three three more scenarios here. So depending on what's happening today and what what is the outcome 12 months later, this is, again, all just based on history. So if the current Fed funds rate is greater than inflation, which it is, um, cash or money markets has yielded 5.1% in the next 12 months, and core bonds has yielded 7.5%. If the Fed is close to the end of its hiking program, what is the what, what, a, what a bonds return look like in the next 12 months? Cash is 4.5%, core bonds is 11.5%. And if the yield curve is currently inverted which it is today, inverted meaning short-term bonds are paying more than longer-term bonds. Cash over the next 12 months historically has yielded 4% and core bonds has yielded 7.8. So again, just interesting data, but I think this is a key point. There is a ton of money on the sidelines in money markets uh, and it might be time to think about extending that out to longer dated holdings. Good point about that ton of money on the sidelines. I think once yields start going back down, it, that money is going to get redeployed, and that's mm-hmm. going that's naturally going to push yields down across all kinds of bond types. Let's finish up just with a quick update on uh, equity markets. We've got a couple of interesting slides here in the the deck. Um, I'll comment at first on the first part of the year, really the first half of the year. The market was driven by the seven largest stocks. It's the the magnificent seven. Um, which we've all heard of before. And then the rest of the S&P only had about 30% of the contribution of the return. So uh, 493 stocks approximately, 30% of the contribution, seven stocks, 70% of the contribution. Um, And these were things like, you know, NVIDIA was up 190%. uh, Meta was up 139, Tesla up 113. I mean, insanely high returns. Um, All of that contributed to... um, uh, you know, this, this large, quite good return that the S and P had this rally. It is worth noting that we don't tend to think that we're in a 2000 type environment when a lot of tech went up. Um, something that's commonly watched is the price to earnings ratio. Although the price to earnings ratio of the S and P is higher than the historical average, 
it's not nearly as high as it was in 2000. In 2000, it was almost 60. Stocks were trading at 60 times earnings. Today, it's closer to uh, about 27 or 28. So uh, still higher than long-term averages, but not nearly as bad as 2000. How do you want to co cover the next slide here on just how the rally is broadening out? Yeah, yeah. this is called the relative strength, um, meaning the, the rally's up until July was really driven by the Microsofts of the world, the, the mm -hmm. seven magnificent seven. Um, we like to see participation from every other aspect of the market. Um, it it did push um, until what September, where everything just sold off again. But that's what we like to see is the um, five hundred or four hundred ninety three other companies start making gains in terms of stock market uh, stock price appreciation. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we're seeing or had seen. Um, I think we'll continue to see it through the rest of the this year, actually. Um, sounds bullish, but probably because it is. But I think uh, the, the relative strength will start to broaden. So through May of this year, 97% uh, of the performance was these top seven stocks. 3% was the rest of the S&P. Yeah, and it flipped in June. Yeah. June, it went to 70-30. <laughs> And now, as of August, uh, it's about 66% top seven stocks and 34% everything else. That's good. That's really good. Things are broadening out. Um, it's also worth noting, yes, 52% uh, of these top performers are tech companies. By the way, the Magnificent Seven, we've seen this all in the news, but it's NVIDIA, Meta, Tesla, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet. 52% um, of the top performers year-to-date are tech companies. Yes, that's half, but also it's only half. Um, don't forget about companies like Carnival Cruise Lines and Eli Lilly and FedEx and some of these other companies that are up more than 50% this year. Um, that also has a big sway on markets. And again, that's starting to broaden out here later in the year, which is very, very good. Yeah. That's good. Anything else to wrap on markets or any other thoughts? No, I, well, my thought is historically the last quarter of every year, in a non-election year too. Um, we have a lot of history kind of at our backs and I'm really addressing some of the recent sell-off we've experienced in in August, September and the first part of October. And we're not quite seeing panic, but I just wanna maybe allay fears because yeah, we have data going back to 1945 showing that September and August by rank are the worst two months historically year in year out so maybe it's seasonality so um, no selling may go away huh no may is actually one of the better months um <laughs> so that advice is stupid don't listen to <laughs> slogan advice we've told you yeah don't listen to slogan based <laughs> advice a rhyming based advice right wait but unless we rhyme listen to that yeah but, <laughs> but if, if, if you see That's it on like you know yeah real headline finance yeah just coincidentally rhyming but <laughs> if if September scared you off and the first part of October scared you off with the government shutdown and things like that. Uh, one, we've had how many government shutdowns in the last 20 years? Like A lot. I don't know. And all those years were pretty pretty good, actually. So the bigger economy is bigger than the U.S. federal government, which is, yeah, that's that's always been the case. So, so we're going to see a lot of noise coming up in the election year, but the rest of this year right? The third year in a presidential cycle, uh, past the seasonality of a sell-off. I think there's a lot of historical patterns to look forward to. 
in terms of having a good quarter this year. All right, well, we'll hold you to it. Yeah. We'll report back if, if uh, your crystal ball was right. <laughs> so we'll let everybody know for sure. Well, good. Well, thanks for the update. Uh, and thanks to everybody who's, who's tuned in today. If you like this and you have a friend that you think would like it, forward it on to them. We'd love to see them also listen to our content, subscribe. We've got a lot of, a lot of other really cool stuff on, on our yeah. YouTube channel and on our insights. Leave, uh, leave your cars unlocked inside a lock. I was going to close with that. I was going to say, <laughs> everybody lock their cars out there. Stole my thunder. Leave your cars unlocked. Let us know. Seriously. I want to know if you lock your cars in your garage. I can't be the only one. I can't be the only one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Until next time. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Bye. everyone.